We continue in our series, The Gospel According to Leviticus. And so let's have God's Word open us up to Leviticus chapter 19. We'll be reading from verse 1 through 4, as well as verse 9 through 18. Now this is the Word of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make for yourselves any any gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. Verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord, your God. You shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. But you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Join with me in prayer once more. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word illuminates into our lives. And we thank you that your word transforms every aspect of it. Lord, we ask that as we now sit under the preaching of your word, that it would indeed come alive to us and give us life, Lord God. We ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would counsel us and teach us, encourage us, challenge us, comfort us, lead us to deeper repentance, and lead us to deeper faith in Christ. God, would you have your way in us? Give us a deep assurance and help us to see those around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The gospel message today from our text is that God gives us the assurance we need to love our neighbors. And we'll look at three points here. Your God, your neighbor, and yourself. So as we look and have read our text, we see that God is a personal God. And he gives assurance to his people You know, most sensible people uh, would say that they believe in God. There is a general acknowledgement that God exists. 
And when life is really hard, sometimes he pulls through for you. Sometimes we view God in some ways like uh, insurance. We check in monthly or annually and pay our premiums. We have a general understanding of what's covered, like some of the major things like baptisms and weddings and funerals. And for many of us, this type of transaction with God uh, seems enough. It's not too big of an inconvenience to us and it doesn't come uh, at too high of a cost. Well, what happens in between these major events of baptism and weddings and funerals? What happens when life hits? Do we, do we have a, an understanding that, that assures us that God is personal, that he's not some agent who is uh, brokeraging our account, who is just uh, giving us promises to hold on to? But do we understand that God uh, gives us a, a deep and personal assurance? You know, it's, it's not like, you know, when life goes bad, God shows up and he says, you know, 15 minutes could save you 15%. And if that were the case, many of us, we'd worship for about an hour and 40 minutes to make sure that we're 100% covered. It's not like he shows up when life is really hard out of nowhere and all of a sudden a deep, mighty, comforting voice asks, are you in good hands? And it's, it's, not, like, it's not like out of the blue, if, if when we're struggling, we, all we have to say is, uh, uh, like a good neighbor, Jesus is here, and he shows up and he says, hey, what's wrong? I'll fix it. No, God is neither an, an insurance policy nor a, a magical thing that appears when life is hard. Rather, God is a personal God who is not only with us when times are bad, He's not only with us when we're struggling, when life is hard, but he's with us every single day. We see that in our text, that God is not just a God who is in the distance and far off, but that God actually is close and, and reminds us of his presence and assures us of his goodness and how he's able to provide for us and sustain us. You know, he doesn't promise that nothing will go wrong and that everything will be bliss. In fact, in our text, in our context, we see that the, the Israelites just uh, coming out of slavery from Egypt are journeying in the wilderness. And life is indeed hard as they're sojourning to the promised land. Yet in the midst of hardship, God assures them that he is with them. In the midst of hardship, when uh, people would be driven by fear, God establishes order and peace. Friends, God will not let fear govern his people. He reminds his people over and over again, I am the Lord, your God. Let me say that again. God will not let fear govern his people. You might feel fear, and that's okay. You might be afraid. You might be anxious. You might be worried, and that's okay. But it will never govern you, control you, or have a hold on you. God will not let fear govern your lives. And so he reminds you today, as he has reminded the people of old, that he is the Lord your God. He is the Lord, my God. And God's word is unlike any other words of any world leader or politician or governor. His words are true 
yesterday, today, and even tomorrow. We don't have to wake up in the morning being afraid of what the news is going to say. The God's message, His good news is not going to change on us or alter on us with new regulations or stipulations or restrictions. His word is true. His word has stood the test of time. His word stands even now. The Lord is your God. His word is sure and He reminds you with this assurance. As those who trust in God, may I remind you, and if if you don't know this God in a personal way through Jesus yet, as you hear these promises, would you know that this isn't just some, some inspirational, religious type of opium that is supposed to relax us and give us some uh, false sense of hope. But these are true promises of God that have been sealed by the blood of Jesus and given as an assurance to those who trust in Him. And so in the mornings, often we find ourselves waking up filled with doubts and worries and struggles. And we can turn to Lamentations 3. Look here with me as it says this. That the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in Him. Friends, brothers and sisters, in the mornings, are you hopeless? Are you dreary with yesterday's exhaustion? Are you concerned with what the day may hold? Well, know that His steadfast love for you will never end. That His mercies will never end. That in fact, as sure as the sun rises each morning, that His mercies are new and fresh for you today. May the Lord be your portion today. May your soul today say that I will hope in Him. And I know often as we uh, go through the morning and into the day, as different things hit, as work emails and conference calls, as parenting happens, that it's so easy to lose sight of who we are. And even these moments, God assures us that He is with us. And so throughout the day, may we look at Psalm 139. Look with me. It says this, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? And so as we live our days, as we're going through life in a particularly unfamiliar way this past week and this coming weeks, may we know no matter how lost we may feel in the shufflings of the day, in the errands, in the responsibilities, in the calls, the emails, in the parenting, in the cooking of meals, in the hardships of checking our bank statements, that God is with us. 
that he knows us. There is no place we can go where he loses sight of us. There is no place where he cannot find us. Are you struggling to put into words your burden? Well, be comforted. He already knows what burdens you. He already knows what is on your mind and your heart. And before the words even lay on your tongue, he hears them as his child. And even as the days goes, as evening falls, we find ourselves anxious once more. Thinking about how tough the day was and even how tough tomorrow is. And so in the evenings, may we direct our hope and the assurance found in Psalm 121. Look with me here once more. Psalmist says, I lift my eyes to the hill. As our eyes droop down in tiredness and weariness, as our eyes droop down in discouragements and tiredness, will you lift up your eyes to the hill? From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Are you tired at the end of the day? Are you so anxious that you cannot sleep? Will be comforted, friends, loved ones that God does not need to rest. He does not need to slumber. He does not tire. He is not discouraged. He will keep you through the evenings as you rest in Him, awaiting His new mercies the next day. God gives us assurance. God reminds us that He is there, that He is the Lord our God. If you see in Leviticus 19, as we've read, there's so many commands, but after each command, there is a, a, a rhythmic giving of do this because I am the Lord your God. Do this because I am the Lord your God. Don't do these things because I am the Lord your God. What God is saying, what the great I am, fully sustained in himself, omnipotent, omniscient, and holy other None like any other God. This I am, this, this God who is Lord over everything, over all creation, over your jobs, over your children, over your parents, over your grandparents. This Lord who knows everything that you go through. This Lord who knows what's in your bank account, who knows you're struggling. The, the Lord who knows your deepest fears. This Lord is Lord over all those things. And this great I am, who is Lord over all things, says to you, I am your God. You can do these things and you can refrain from these other things because I am secure you and this is the assurance God gives us I am the Lord your God I am the Lord your God let me say it once more I am the Lord your God we know in this context that the Israelites had earthly priests who through dividing veils mediated between God and his people. But here now we have Jesus, the great 
high priest, who is not simply of this earth, but who is divine, who has torn the veil that separates us and God. This Jesus now mediates for you and I, so that we're not just assured that this great creator in heaven says that we are his people and he is our God, but we are assured by being able to call him Father, Father in heaven, as he responds with listening ears to say, what my child, I am listening. See, God doesn't give, he's not, he's not, uh, preoccupied about just giving us insurance, uh, uh, some kind of transactional interaction. He wants a relationship with us. He wants to give us assurance. He wants to give us what this world cannot. And he does this for his people and for you and I this morning. And so if, uh, uh, if, if we understand to this depth of of how protected, how safeguarded, how loved, how hemmed in from behind and before we are by this God. If we are truly secure and assured and that when we wake up and go throughout the day and even lay our tire head on the pillow, that He will sustain us, keep us, and walk with us, then how can we interact with our neighbors? How can we interact with those around us? Well, first, this security ought to help us to see outside of ourselves. You see, when, when fear takes over, we, we start to, 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 to funnel into ourselves because we're so, so scared and so worried, and so we're trying to fend for ourselves. We're trying to uh, accumulate, store up what we need. Yet in assurance, we are free to not only look to ourselves, not only to our needs, but to the needs of those around us, to the needs of our neighbors, to the needs of all brothers and sisters in the image of God who need His grace, love, and mercy. And so as we look at the text, uh, the, the, the way we view our God should inform the way we view our neighbors. You know, if you, if, if you think about it, in the world of productivity, we want to maximize our gains. We want to reap everything that we sow. We're so cautious and calculating on how we budget and spend and, and we're so concerned about how our investments will make returns. We're anxiously storing up for ourselves like we don't have a God who cares for us and provides for us. In our homes, our fridges and our cupboards and our storages are full to the brim. And yet when we go to the stores, we see that the shelves are cleared out and empty. Have you stored up more than you need? Are you comforted? Do you really feel secure? Or tomorrow will you go out again, trying to collect more and more and more? Yet what of your neighbors, those who are elderly, single mothers, those who are poor and weak and sojourning and forgotten? Well, we see that God is also a God, not just for you and I, but for all people who are weak and lost and poor. You see, he instructs his people here in Leviticus 19 not to reap their fields up to the edge, that, 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 that they shouldn't gather or, or glean even what is left over after the harvesting, that they're not supposed to strip the vineyard 
bear. They're not supposed to go back and pick up every single dropped grape on the ground and, and, and accumulate as much as they can. No, God instructs them to leave some on purpose, intentionally, with a heart of love, so that others who are poor and sojourning can come after them and find their sustaining as the Lord provides for them. See, God doesn't just love you. He loves the poor, the sojourner, the one who faces injustice, those who are considered least in society. God loves those who are deaf and blind and weak. This is why we're not supposed to see the fruits of our labors as entirely our own. This is why we are not to steal or deal falsely and lie to one another. This is why we're not to withhold wages. This is why God tells his people not to lead the weak astray or show partiality. This is why we are called to love our neighbors. Because those who are truly secure in the provision of God are okay, are at peace enough to look outward and see those who need His grace and His mercy today. I'll confess that this week I've been sucked into my own world, my own needs, my own anxiousness. Every time I hear something on the news, I think about my parents and how it'll affect them. I think about our family, my children. And whenever I'm out running an errand, there's an anxious impulse to go and buy more chicken or meat or cereal or bread or egg or milk or toilet paper. It's silly the things that I've consumed myself with thinking that I need to survive, the things that I, I need to feel safe. But I was reminded, even I was preparing to preach this text, is do I really believe that God is my God? Am I truly assured that He is with me now and that no matter what I lose or what I gain, that He will hold me, sustain me as I live a life holy to His calling. You see, if our confidence in our God is sure, then our love for our neighbors is easy. And so the last point, let me conclude, as we have reflected on your God, your neighbor, may I ask that you reflect now on yourself. If you look in Lamentations 25, look with me. In verse 23 to 24, God says this, For you, for you, are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the country you possess, you shall allow a redemption of the land. God says to his people, You were once sojourners. You are strangers. Yet I have welcomed you. I have become your God. I have given you assurance and I have drawn near to you to call you my child so that you may come to me as your father. 
You know, it'd be it'd be too easy. And 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 it would be an, an an irresponsible religious understanding just to think that what God's word is telling us today is that we need to do more for our neighbors, that we need to do X, Y, and Z, that we need to do good deeds every day, that we need to check off certain good things. But more than that, underlining that is this understanding. Before we think about the poor or the needy out there. As you reflect on yourself, can you realize now that you were once poor and needy? Maybe not in material possessions, maybe not in the ways we think of, but in so far as you being able to save yourself. That you were poor and in need. That you are sojourners now in this world that is broken and decaying and about to pass. But yet God looked upon you and He was the good neighbor who loved you, who poured into you, who saw you. You know, verse 18 in our text ends with this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Yet in the New Testament we see that Jesus adds or says this in John 13. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What Jesus is saying here now is not simply to love others as yourself but to love others as you have received and experienced love from God Himself through Jesus. Christians, the mission is the same. The call is the same. And the joy of taking the good news of the gospel is the same. We are called to be assured in God's love to love others, and to realize even ourselves are ones who are most cherished as we trust and believe in Jesus. So let me conclude with some practical ways that we can live this out. First, draw near to God and to one another. Even in this context, there are so many ways that we can draw near to one another, even as we observe what we have to for health, public health. Spend time reading God's word and praying. Do this with your spouse. Do this with your children. Sing songs of praise. Do this with one another through video calling or phone calls or emails. Spur one another on. Remind them of the assurance that they have in God. Find time. Block it out. Preach to one another. Go ahead and evangelize to those whom you have been waiting for. Remind one another that God says, I am the Lord your God. Know that no matter how much social distancing or void we have here from heaven, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And nothing can separate us, you and I, who have been united to Christ and united to one another. Think about your neighbors. Not just those who live directly next to you, but those who are poor and sojourning who are tired and needy, 
Think about them. The next time we go out to store up for ourselves. Pray for them. Consider their needs above your own. Love them as you have been loved. And seek out wise opportunities to help others in need this time. We can't be everything for everyone. But in prayerful wisdom, we can draw near to those whom God has placed close to us, close to our hearts. And so the good news today is that God gives us the assurance we need to love our neighbors as we think about our God, our neighbor, and ourselves. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 